We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. It's Thanksgiving week. We're recording this Wednesday morning, so this is going to be out like 3 o'clock on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. No one's going to fucking listen to this on Wednesday afternoon. But that's, that's not all right. true. People are traveling. This is uh, people. Po- people listen to podcasts when they're in the car. Maybe when they're on the move. Andrew, don't you look at the statistics? When people that's are right. moving, they listen to podcasts, and people right. are moving around Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're going to be sitting in seven hours of traffic driving up there you go. the Northeast Corridor. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Cool. I'm okay. Sorry, you're in traffic right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the most listened to podcast of the year for all don't, I don't don't drive on 95 at all ever the turnpike any of these major highways around cities around the around different holidays avoid I them had, like uh, the plague. I had uh, like the local news on this morning, and they were just like warning about the the high volume of traffic today. They warned between the hours of 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. Mm. I'm like, oh, so all day, <laughs> all day. So don't leave your house. Don't it's like so. Don't travel on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. If you're gonna leave your house, make it 6 a.m. or 11 p.m. Got it. Or thanks or, news or Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday was cannot be. I mean, that's no better. Like people, people are like, oh, it's Thanksgiving week. I'm gonna work a half day Monday morning and call it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not even going to do that. <laughs> What's up, Scott? I feel like uh, we, you know, it's off season now. We only talk once a week. I know we don't even work at the same company anymore. No, all, all, all these things. So yeah, it's a uh, off season, man. There's it's Aaron Judge watch. That's that's really what it is. This whole this whole thing until it's over. Until it's over, it's Aaron Judge watch. That's that's what we are. We got TMZ meeting him at the airport. We got TMZ following him around. You know, there's going to be people in his window, like taking camera to see what kind of what kind of Thanksgiving meal he has. If there's any hints whatsoever in any of the decor, although it's confusing because orange is a pretty 
pretty uh, pretty big staple color of the Thanksgiving time and the fall season. So that could be confusing. And I could see someone running with a report about that. A lot of orange at the judge table on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I heard he had sweet potatoes. Does that mean he's going? Does that mean he's going to the Giants? Um, yeah. So he he's meeting with the Giants this week, or met with the Giants this week. We had the Jock Peterson posting the the ninety nine problems, something about Judge joining the, the Giants thing. And it's like that's when you look at all the odds, the betting odds on where he's going. It's the Yankees and Giants one two. Um, and th- we knew this was going to happen, right? We knew he was going to meet with teams, specifically the Giants. I think he'll also meet with the Dodgers. He'll 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 meet with a, a handful of teams. Um, but there there is obviously a connection for him and the Giants. Like he he's from that area. He grew up a Giants fan. I th- it seems like they're prepared to make him a high, very high offer. I still think the Yankees will top the offer, and I think that Judge would prefer to stay with the Yankees. I think, I think he's smart. He understands for his career longevity. I'm not even talking about on the field. I'm talking like just off the field or just in general relevance. Staying with the Yankees is better for him, and I think he understands that. So I think that's why that ultimately would be the deciding factor here, if all else is equal. Why do you think he understands that? Because in the past, you have definitely shied away from getting in the head of these uh, of these players, and you've you've also shied away from looking at additional value outside the total dollar amount. So why why is so this? It's different? like, are you talking about like with Robinson Cano? Like, Just in general, it, in general, I don't think you're a believer of people that take the a hometown discount. They're looking for the biggest offer. So I didn't say he would take a hometown discount. I said if all else is equal. All, oh, okay. All else is equal. Um, no, if the Giants offer him more money, I mean, listen, if it's five, does it have to be? Off, a, like, it's got to be a percentage. What's the what's your percentage? What's the percentage in your head that I don't know the percentage? It? I think if it's a year more commitment from the Giants than the Yankees, then he will go to the Giants. If the Giants offer him nine years guaranteed and the Yankees offer him eight years guaranteed, he will go to the Giants, or he will go to a team offering him an extra year, which is call it thirty five million dollars. Of of total value, he will choose that deal over the Yankees. If it is the same years, but the money is slightly different, you know, a couple percentage points difference, and I I think call it call it a wash. So imagine being the New York Yankees, understanding that there's a, a nine year offer on the table, and you go eight years. You're essentially saying that 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 one year at thirty five, call it forty million, just for to to go on the high side. You're 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 basically saying that the having Aaron Judge for the duration of his pinstri- the duration of his career is not worth the forty million dollars. For all of the other things that come with it, it's not worth the forty million dollars. That's how I would look at it. Or if it's I'm looking at the, of it. what that delta is, and that delta is never gonna be not worth it for the Yankees. Right? Like ever. Well, I mean, if a team gets stupid and offers him like 10 or 11 years, I could see the Yankees being like, I don't know that we can do this. Uh, I I think there's like the principle of it, right? Like I do believe that at at a certain point, Hal Steinbrenner has a number and a number of years in mind, and he's willing to push up against that, but he's not willing to just completely throw that out of the water and, and just throw caution to the wind. You know, I mean, they kind of did that with Garrett Cole, didn't they? They 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 went as as high as they needed to go to get the man. That's why. Right, they did why should this be anything themselves. different? Um, 
I, it's a good question. It shouldn't be. I'm not arguing that it will philosophy be. wise. You're talking about like, you're talking about principle and that, that there is now, you know, they've established what they are willing to do to get a guy that they believe is their guy. So if they're not going to do the same thing they did to Garrett Cole with the potential, you know, captain for the next eight years of the New York Yankees, then what are we doing? Because I, any, I anything agree. inside a hundred million dollars, they're going to make back. Uh, you know, I don't, and that's an arbitrary number, whatever the number is, it's a high number, right? We agree it's a high number, whatever that delta is, they will make it back in, you know, in other ways. Whatever the number is, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the number like, is. That's the point, right? No, I know that doesn't matter, but, but my, my only point is that I do think there's an, so you're saying there should not be a number or a number of years that they just say, okay, we're done. We can't go any higher. There's yes, no breaking I, point. No breaking point because if someone else is willing to do it, then they're, they're, then the market dictates that that is the number. And if this years. is your guy, then you go after the guy. Twelve years. Again, if the market is dictating, it's not going to be twelve years and 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 forty million dollars or thirty five million dollars. There's going to be a number that's that's less. I mean, we don't have to go un, completely unrealistic here, but if you if you if the market dictates a number, then yeah, that's what it is. Okay, I mean, fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm just saying what I what I. But I think in that if the Yankees are not matching the top offer, he's not going to just take a hometown discount. My point, my point was that if the contracts are equal or very close to equal, the Yankees have the edge for a number of reasons. One of them being I think he understands the impact that being a New York Yankee has on your life. I hope he does. I really do. I really hope he does because Robinson, Robinson Cano wishes he had that foresight. Uh, Let's put time, it this way. If he hit 62 home runs in a Giants uniform, do you think it would have been as big of a deal? I think it would have been a very big deal, but you know, we're we're as so big in of the a middle deal? of this bubble. Probably not as big of a deal because of the whole I mean the, the whole record in the American first of all, it's an American he league. Wouldn't record. have even been the team leader in it franchise history. Been, it wouldn't exactly it wouldn't have been a league record if you were in the National League. But oh, because he's right. in the American League, because he's right. with the New York Yankees, this is a Yankees record in the American League. It okay. always has what been. If, what if he was with the Seattle Mariners. I mean, obviously, the answer is no. The answer is no. Okay. I, so but, then, but, why are you why are you playing why are you why are you playing it why are you, like taking a hard it's the off season? Why, why are you just not do? answering? I'm just going to argue with you. Answer my freaking question. <laughs> what was your question? My question was that if he was not a New York Yankee, the season that he just had would not have been revealed as it was, and I think it it deserved to be. Even if he had those exact same t- statistics with the Angels or the Mariners or the Giants or whatever sure. freaking team, it would be an, as equal an impressive offensive season, but it would not have been talked about in the same vein. And his MVP would not have been as big of a deal. He understands it. I think he understands that. And like that's sort of the topic that we're going to, you know, one of the topics we're going to talk about today is where judges MVP season ranks in Yankees history. Because... There's a ton of Yankees history and and all-time great baseball players who are also all-time great Yankees on this list that we're putting him in the conversation with. And that just carries more weight when you're in the same conversation as Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Derek Jeter, all of those names than, than you are with go down the list of any good franchise's top names. They just don't carry the same weight. I understand we're biased. I understand we're in a Yankees bubble. But it's true. It's just true. I know it's true. It's a hundred percent true. And there's, there's no doubt that that should be a factor, whether it is or not in the player's head, 
that's what we don't know. So you would think that it would be a major factor. But again, I keep going back to Cano. He didn't consider that. He took the money, the dollars, the he length a lot of a contract. Money. He took he took more money, fine. But but he he essentially was, uh, you know, sent to obscurity in in the Pacific Northwest. It, it was just a, a bad fit market wise for for him for uh, additional things. And I, and I know he was. You know, he, he was attached to Jay-Z and got some commercial uh, things after the deal even, but n- nothing compared to what he could have done in New York. And who knows how the career ends up at that point. But I hope that he thinks that because it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Your market uh, attractiveness in New York is different than it is in San Francisco. And he's yep. a the face, he, you know, he's the, the one of the faces of baseball. So what we did here is we pulled the top, how many are there? One, two, three. There's six seasons of Yankees MVPs that I uh, that we pulled, and I'm going to run down the list in what I think is in order of not what I think, but it's just like statistically by OPS plus and by WAR, what seasons you know rank the best in Yankees history, and then we can talk about which seasons we want to throw out because some of them are from almost a hundred years ago. So the first one is Babe Ruth's 1923 season in which he had a 239 OPS plus and 14.2 war. He hit 393, 545, 764 with 41 homers and 131, 130 RBIs. The next highest war of that season was Harry Hellman, 9.3, who actually had a better batting average than Babe Ruth with 403 batting average, but he was obviously, you know, significantly lower in all other offensive categories. This was Babe Ruth's only MVP season because back in that day, you could only win the MVP once for some reason. Then, then so, <laughs> so strange. So strange. The next on the list is 1927 Lou Gehrig, 220 OPS plus, 11.9 more. He hit 373, 474, 765 with 47 bombs and 173 RBIs. He did not lead the league in war that year. That was Babe Ruth who hit 60 home runs, but he couldn't win the MVP a second time. The most amazing thing. He can't be, can't be most valuable again. The most amazing thing about this Lou Gehrig 1927 season is he hit behind Babe Ruth who hit 60 home runs and he still managed to have 173 RBIs. I think that's, you know, pretty impressive. Babe Ruth struck out a lot too. And the guys, the, the guys on that team were pretty, pretty decent. So they got on base a lot, but Babe Ruth did strike out a lot. How many strikeouts did he have in 1927? Can somebody look that up? I feel like it wasn't a lot. I feel like he didn't swing and miss that much because he was not well, facing the best competition. In his career, he struck out a lot. He comparatively. A at, at the time. Yes, he struck out more than like the contact slap hitters, but they hit no home runs uh, and he hit 60. I'm not trying to compare it to uh, the strikeout percentage of today because that number will be... 89 strikeouts in dwarfed. 1927. He struck out 89 times. That was probably a lot for that. For yeah, that who led the league in uh, strikeouts in 1927? <laughs> he led the majors. Okay. There there you go. He led the majors a lot. Uh, yeah. Like a lot, lot of bold. One, two, three, four, five different seasons. He led, right, so, strikeouts. He okay, led with 58 corrected. strikeouts one year. I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, next on the list is Mickey Mantle's 1957 season with a 221 OPS plus 11.3 war. He hit 365, 512, 512, his on base percentage, Mickey Mantle. 665, 34 home runs, 94 RBIs. He was coming off a triple crown 
1956. So he walked a boatload in 1957, which is why the home run and RBI numbers are slightly down. That's why he had a 512 um, base percentage. Ted Williams finished second in MVP that year, uh, led the league in a lot of other offensive categories. I think that was the year, uh, I think that was the year he hit 400. Um, if you guys could check on that. But he led the league in like most of the rate offensive categories. And, but Mickey did win the MVP. Then we get to Aaron Judge, 211 OPS plus, 10.6 war, 311, 425, 686 with 62 homers, 131 RBIs. Shohei Otani was the next highest war. So I think by pretty much... And he was a pitcher. Right. Uh, so, you know, by OPS plus, Judge ranks fourth. And by war, he ranks fifth because Mickey Mantle's 1956 season in which he... Uh, won the triple crown. He had 11.2 war. And then the only only other guy on the list that comes close is Alex Rodriguez in 2007, who uh, had 176 OPS plus 9.4 war, beating Curtis Granderson with 7.6 war. Now, you might want to throw out all of the older seasons and call Aaron Judge's MVP season the most impressive in Yankees history. And I and I I might agree with you. I kind of am at the point where, yes, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were awesome. They were clearly double, like better, two times better than the, the average player at the time, even, you know, two and a half times better. But it's still, it was, it was a, it was not a fully integrated league. It, it was just not the same game. I don't think it was the same game in the 1920s. I think it was closer to being the same game in the 1950s though so i don't know i'm comfortable throwing out mickey mantle seasons what about you I'm, i am not comfortable throwing mickey mantle when you look mickey mantle's numbers are sexy <laughs> if he doesn't get injured he might go down as the best player in baseball history i'm not even exaggerating no if he I, I totally if he wasn't a, a, an alcoholic and had no kneecaps then he might have put up the most impressive career in baseball history his numbers are, I mean, everybody gods at Alex Rodriguez's numbers. Mickey Mantle is doing that every single year, it seemed like, yeah, with with uh with missing body parts and and you know, taking a, a fifth of uh of Smirnoff before and after the games. Like the guy was unbelievable in the way that he in the way that he produced. His production was insane. So yeah, I think that it, the game is closer, obviously. I, I still believe you have to judge all of these by era. You know, at the end of the day, because they're so different and the specialization of what what baseball is today. That's why I look at we were talking about this towards the end of the year. I'm like, we're watching one of the greatest offensive seasons and and you stack it up even next to Bonds and some of these guys that were that were doing all of these, um, you know, synthetically judges judges right there. And, and you could argue absolutely that, you know, baseball is more difficult today. Remove the steroids from the game. Just look at the way that it's played. It's more difficult today because of the specialized pitching. It's more it's harder today to get a base hit than it ever has been, especially yes, with the there, but there's also aspects that make the game easier. Technology, tra travel sure. accommodations, like knowledge about health and what you're putting in your body. Like Mickey Mantle was, you know, they were playing. I mean, Mickey knew that it wasn't best for his health. You know no, what but, but what I'm saying, players in that era, like the the 20s, 30s, 40s, into the 50s, like they they weren't necessarily traveling by plane all of the time. They were they were taking like overnight train trips to to up and down the East Coast and into the Midwest. Like it, I I, they I had feel, pod, they had pods on those trains though. You had maybe your own they cabin. did. I read a book. I forget what book this was in. Um, I think it might have been in a book about. I think the babe, I read the babe, which, uh, 
uh, autobiography, not autobiography, biography, biography on on Babe Ruth that came out a couple years ago. I think it was this book, or maybe it was a book about no, it was the summer of forty nine. It, it was, was in a book. It was in a book. It was a book with words. Yeah, where they said that they would make the rookies sleep on the train above the wheels because it was very bumpy and uncomfortable. And then the veteran players would get the middle of the train, which was a smoother ride. <laughs> so that, that's that's my anecdote. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad we got there. The uh, <laughs> that's. Look, I mean, we've complained about them not, uh, them not having pods right now, so you can stretch out your legs. But that's like putting someone next to the shitter. That's like putting on, on a plane, right? That's it's fine, like, but you're, you're going to sleep next to the bathroom. They could lay out. They could stretch their legs. If it's a little bumpy, so be know. it. It's a little bumpy. But guess what? My legs are going to get stretched. That's all I need. I, I'll take bumpiness with my legs extended than, than a smooth ride with my uh, with my knees crunched up. It's not good. Not good for the joints. Especially your Aaron Judge, you're six foot seven, which yeah. we know umpires don't know that, but we know that, and and he's got to be crammed into economy. Like, come on, no, that's it's probably economy plus. Do you think the Yankees so, sent the plane? Did you think they allowed him to use the 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 Yankees plane to go home to San Francisco to visit his family? No, I don't think players get Yankees plane privileges in the off season. Not even Aaron Judge. Maybe they should. No. Maybe Aaron Judge should. Maybe they should throw that in as a perk. Yeah. Do you think he yes. flew private back home? Or do you oh, think yeah. he's do you think he's he's not getting he's not even, you know, he's not even doing business class. He's not he's not No, no, commercial. no. Yes. He is definitely he's definitely on a PJ. There's way too many I've learned a lot about this world recently. There's a there's a lot of services that you can take now to to get mm-hmm. from where to and that's why I believe that like that's probably built into something that the Yankees whether it's maybe it's not the team plane. It's like a a, a budget for private jet flight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Didn't um didn't Ichiro have that with his first contract with the Mariners where it's like they they would fly him back to Japan like a certain number of times or something I like think that. that's right. That sounds yeah. really very familiar. And Roger Clemens when Roger Clemens came back for the 12th time, yeah. he uh he had like he didn't go on road trips unless he was pitching. So the Yankees had to fly him back home to Houston. Um and that was, I mean, that was George. George is sending the, the plane. Oh, yeah. George, George is using that fucking plane and he's sending it back and forth. Like Absolutely. that's one of the, one of the list of differences between the kids and George. George fuels the jet for people and gets the job done and like, you know, spare no expense. We're going to sh- just walking out to that thing. I, I got a little, so I, when I came back from Vegas, the we uh private back from vegas for private yeah and i crossed paths i went to take a piss in the airport i've never hated you more than in the <laughs> well last you're about to hate long. me even more than this so i went to take a piss in there uh, and i came out okay and as i'm coming out who did i pass magic johnson magic johnson walks right past me wait right, on your plate no like uh in i was the, at the airport in the yeah, airport. in the in the airport where you just walk out to the tarmac and you walk through the sliding glass doors and walk out to the plane did you say magic that? johnson walks right past me and he's coming from his his own private jet that has MJ thirty two on it, and on one side of the of the of the fin, oh, yeah. he's got a Laker, he's got a Dodgers emblem, and on the other side, a Lakers. Like this is his plane. Yeah. The thing was like the size of a of a plane that you you take, like a regional jet that that <laughs> a, a commercial jet that you would take. It was huge. Did what, you say crazy. hi to Magic Johnson? Yeah, I did. I said, "Hey, Magic," and. He, he acknowledged me and went to take a piss. You didn't ask him like, hey, the Dodgers are going to sign Judge? I did not. It was, you know, you got to act the part a little bit. Um, I just realized because you said MJ32. 
it's like Magic Johnson was MJ until Michael Jordan came around. And it's like no one else can be MJ in, in any sport anymore. No. He yeah. just took that and from him. He was 32, 23, a little flip of, flip of the numbers. Hmm. Yeah. So have we have we arrived at an answer where judges MVP season ranks in Yankees history? I'm saying number two behind pick one of the Mickey Mantle seasons, either the triple crown season in 56 or the year in which he had a 512 on base percentage in 57. Yeah, I agree. I think Mickey. I think Mickey takes the cake still, but the but just because he he filled the stats so so beautifully. I mean, when you look at those numbers, they're they're all so sexy. When I see when I see a batting average over three fifty, it gives me chills. Like I I just I love I love seeing it. Whether you care about batting average or not, it's a sexy number and it does mean something. It means you're doing something extremely well and much better than everybody else. And his numbers were just gaudy. Um, and I know Trout has put up like comparable numbers in 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 a stretch as well and i'd say the closest player to mickey is trout there's a lot of similarities between the between the two players um but yeah i think it's trout i'm sorry it's i think it's mickey and and uh not to dismiss babe ruth but you're right i think that babe ruth and lou gehrig's numbers were unbelievable and gaudy and this is why i, I think that it's really difficult to do any of this because of the eras and because of the the context between when they played and who they played against. Because you're right, you're not even playing against all the best players in 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 uh, that play baseball, Babe right. Ruth and Lou Gehrig. You're just not. You're they're not allowed to play in your league. And how can we possibly stack those numbers up against um, when when guys you know have fully integrated leagues and they're and, and you're playing against the best competition in the world? It's just it's impossible to do that. So anyway. Um... Back to the back to the judge thing. Giants. If he signs with the Giants, that would mean potentially his first at bat in 2023 is at Yankee Stadium in a New York Giants, or excuse me, in a San Francisco Giants uniform. That would be brutal. That and and the the masochist in you loves that a little bit. I would want to see the spectacle of it. Yeah, I, be, I mean, that would be. You can't draw it up any better on on what what could the reaction would be in the stadium, the 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 lead up to the game. I mean, it's already opening day. You're, you're already going to have you know Billy Crystal throwing first pitches and stuff. It's Garrett Cole throwing a first pitch, potentially Aaron Judge leading off, like wearing number ninety nine in a Giants uniform. Come on! So Garrett Cole is going to get pissed off because the ovation for Aaron Judge or the booing for Aaron Judge is going to be so long and loud that it's going to delay the game because of um, because he's going to be batting leadoff uh, in the visitor uh, in the visitor dugout and he's going to be the first <laughs> he's going to be the first batter of the game of the season just like just like Brian Cashman's was the first voice of the season in 2022 talking about how we're not going to sign him and then giving all the details that. That would be some 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 fucked up irony, to be honest. Uh, do you think it would be what percentage booze, what percentage cheers? Um, I I actually think it would be a lot of booze. I think it also depends on what the contract the Yankees offer him. If the Yankees yeah. don't, if the Yankees kind of lowball a contract and don't offer close to what the Giants offer, then it, it's kind of hard to boo a player who leaves for a substantially better contract. No, we, but, we 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 boycott. You're right, but if it's if it's close and he just picks the Giants, I mean, you thought the booing in the playoffs was bad for Judge when he was not getting hits. <laughs> it would be on another level. 
Yeah, because now you're now you're just uh, you know, you turned your back. You turned your back on on everybody here, and that's not good. No, the Yankee fan. I I would boo him. <laughs> Don't you wish that like you could just travel to an alternate reality for for a day? Because like that would be one of the things I would pick to happen. Like, okay, I want to travel to the reality in which Aaron Judge signs with the Giants and plays the Yankees on opening day. I you just want problems. You have you have serious you have serious mental problems. I know. Yeah. Just so in case you didn't know that. I knew that. Okay. I just wanted to say it out loud though, too. Okay. You wouldn't, you don't want to, no, no part of you wants to see that. No, I want to see, I want to travel in time to the, when he's holding up the world series trophy and hear the ovation of the Bronx when he's holding up the world series trophy, not when he's coming in, in a different uniform, just to hear the pain, just to hear the pain. But then okay. but it's an alternate in everybody's reality. voice because the boo, the boo is going to be, it's going to be a sad, it's going to be like a, I'm hurt boo from everybody. Like, you know, you cut me deep boo. And that's, that's a, that's a gut wrenching boo. It's going to, it's going to really mean something because, because people love him. And if he leaves, then it will be soul crushing for a lot of people. What in your memory do you think is the best ovation for a returning player in another uniform? that like left the Yankees or, I mean, not many people have like Cano didn't really get Cano got booed when he came back. Yeah. Um, I remember when Matsui came back with the, uh, with the angels after the 09 season, he got, he got massive cheers, obviously world series MVP Tino when Tino came back, when Tino came back, yeah. Tino came back in a Cardinals uniform in 03 or 02 and got huge ovations. Like those two stick out in my mind. I don't. I don't know if there's anyone else that. No, because the other guys that were, I, I in that in that era, you're not getting that same ovation from guys in the in the you know mid to late '80s, right? Early '90s, and then everybody else stayed with the team for the duration of their career. A lot of them from that from that era. So. Yeah, you're looking at the guys who left, and, and you have a select few, and, and definitely Tino Matsui. That's it. I think Tino probably w- was the, was the guy I was going to say. There was, uh, yeah, Tino. I mean, Tino was another guy though that didn't leave. He wanted to stay with the Yankees. The Yankees signed Jason Giambi instead. So, like, that was a no brainer. It's like it's not like Tino left the Yankees. He, the Yankees chose not to re-sign him. And then he came back in the '05 season, I think it was for. Had like a nice little run with the Yankees in the 05 season. That was fun. So David Wells probably got a really good ovation just because he's a man of the people. Yeah. I don't remember that one. He got traded to the Blue Jays. So obviously the Yankees right. played the Blue Jays a bunch uh, after he got traded there. But yeah, that 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 was an interesting thing. When I did that history episode on Roger Clemens, the the reaction and the vibes of that trade was so split because like David Wells was the Yankees best pitcher in 1998 and you trade him for Roger Clemens who was freaking hated but also it's like it's Roger Clemens he's really good like how am I supposed to feel about this that was that was like a a tough thing for Yankees fans to to deal with yeah that's that's definitely one of those weird uh, you know that was it's not the same because he retired but that was uh that's that is how I felt when Tino came over to the Yankees. That's the the funny thing about Tino. Tino had a real roller coaster of a because you know when he came over to to fill the shoes of Don Mattingly, the circumstances were different because Mattingly retired. But um, Tino coming over was coming from the enemy, coming from the the very recent enemy. 
So it was weird. And then he became beloved. Right. Well, I want to tell you guys about Athletic Greens. We've we've mentioned it a few times. It got me through the the late night playoffs. It got Scott through probably a trip to Las Vegas. I don't know. Did you did you pack the the travel packs of AG One? Yeah, the little the envelopes. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, they're they're great. They help you out. I mean, they truly do help on a Vegas trip because you're it's you know when you go to Vegas as anybody has been to Vegas if you're there for multiple days and I was there Friday through Monday which was two days way too long. Um, yeah. body was struggling, body was struggling, was trying to figure out like, you know, can I, can I feel myself? Am I still here? Uh, AG one in the morning definitely helped my, my, my body feel relatively, um, decent to, to trek through the day. So yes, it was a big, uh, the big thing addition. that I, the thing that I love about it is, I mean, it, first of all, it does taste good. And it's one of those things that it, it, I never disliked the taste. Like I like the first time I tried, I was like, oh, you know, that's okay. But like the more you drink it, the more you like it. Just pro- like, you know, anything else. Like the first time you had a beer, you probably didn't like the taste of beer. And now, now you like the taste of beer. So, but the the, the thing that I... Interesting, interesting comp. The thing, yeah. Not saying beer is good for you. Uh, AG1 is, is definitely good for you. But the thing I like about it is just, you know, you're you're sort of just fueling your body with good vitamins and minerals all in one. It's like, you don't have to worry about, oh, I got to take this. I got to take that. I got to take these five different things. It's one pack or one scoop. You shake it up and you get everything you need in in two minutes. It's a daily supplement that you're supposed to drink first thing in the morning. It's packed with multivitamins, minerals, nutrients that all work together to make you feel like your healthiest self. It supports mental clarity and alertness. It promotes gut health with pre and probiotics. It can give you better sleep quality and recovery, and it boosts your energy. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by athletes and health experts around the world. It tastes good. As I said, every serving uh, costs less than $3, which if you're comparing that to coffee or an energy drink or something that you buy, it's that same price or even less and you're putting great things in your body, so it's $3 well spent. If you go to athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes, you get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. As Scott said, those travel packs helped him a lot on that Vegas trip. I took him on my trip to London, which uh, I talk about with Brandon Kelly from Always Cheating later in this pod when we do a World Cup segment. But like, it, it, I'm not even exaggerating. It helped my jet lag when I got to London. Yeah, and jet lags. You're right. I didn't even think about that as far as the the way that it helps. But the jet lags pay in the ass because then you can't you can't rebound as fast. So when your uh, when your body is full of nutrients, then you're in a much better position to uh, to to you know extend the day. So a couple of other news items that we should touch on. Uh, MLB ruled no collusion on the the Mets Yankees discussions about Aaron Judge's free agency. I don't know. Was there a ruling on the Verlander stuff? I'm assuming no collusion there as well. Or has that not been ruled yet? Um, I haven't heard of any collusion happening that is confirmed, so I would assume no. It's it's got to be very difficult to to prove collusion unless you're privy to a phone call or you have a record of some sort, which is also very difficult to achieve and and obtain. Right. DJ LeMahieu's health is, is... Really a growing concern. I know you mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but Cashman's basically like, it's a wait and see. They're going to wait six weeks and he might need surgery for his toe, but they don't want to do surgery, obviously. So they're going to try and do it without surgery. I'm assuming if you do the surgery in six weeks, that's around the end of the year. That's around the end of December, early January. 
I'm assuming that's still enough time to get him ready for spring training. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you do the surgery in late November or late December. Um, but obviously, if you can avoid surgery, you avoid surgery. I think that's it. Uh, and a lot of people get get upset when they say, well, well, just get the surgery. Why are we not doing it? Just get the surgery to fix. A lot of times, sometimes surgery isn't the right answer. It's not always the right answer to, to, to solve a problem. I mean, it could be, it could be a, um, it could be a situation where the surgery actually long-term deteriorates the, the foot or, you know, there, there's some kind of a compensation that's going to happen because of the surgery or something is tighter post-surgery than it would be if you just let it naturally heal. Like there, there are, there are definitely considerations when you're, when you're looking at that. So obviously I think when they're, if the timetable aligns, like you, like you mentioned, and I don't know the exact timetable, but that would make sense in my head. That makes sense that if you get surgery in, you know, five, six weeks, uh, because it's not doing the things that you want, you can still get back and, uh, and, and be ready for the season. So it seems like it's not a huge risk, but yeah, it's, it's a concern now. And it's not just the foot. It's not just a fur. Like he's, he's had a number of, of core injuries and those are the ones that, that definitely, um, worry me as well, because if those are lingering, if those come back, I mean, that man needs his core. Every baseball player in the world needs their core. And if it's an issue, we saw this with Luke Voigt too. I mean, Voigt had that uh, sports hernia and, you know, he became a shell of a player. If you don't have full rotation through your midsection, that's a really big problem as a baseball player. There's a lot of rotation that happens within the uh, mechanics of throwing and hitting. And as, as a baseball player, if you're not able to, to unrestrictively do the things that you normally would do, um, you know, coming through a ball or, or, or hitting a ball, then that's a problem. And it's going to affect the way you play and affect the way you perform. The frustrating thing will be if that he gets the surgery and then he's not ready for spring training. That will be frustrating. So that's well, where... If he, if he gets... Yeah, but the, 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 this is where we need to be careful with our expectations. Because if, if he were to get the surgery, that means that they still tried to get down the path of him being ready without surgery, which is probably the preferred option. So if he's ready for the beginning of the season or like a little bit of a delay and, and it's and it's still they did the things that they needed to do, like I'm I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I guess. Like if he misses two weeks of the season, like Right. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Haven't we realized that the regular season doesn't really fucking matter? <laughs> but who was the player a couple of years ago that felt something at the end of the season? I think it was the end of the twenty nineteen season, and then they like delayed surgery or didn't do something that would have checked if he needed surgery and then they ended up getting surgery and had the 2020 season happened at the right time, he would not have been ready. But then because the season was pushed to July, he was ready. I forget what player this was. I think it might've been James Paxton, but I'm not hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Uh, Severino, Severino pushed off. I was going to say Severino, but I thought Severino was already injured. And Stanton, I think, I think Stanton wouldn't have been ready for opening day in 2020 but he was but i don't know Paxton like hurt his hip like opening christmas presents or something stupid it was something like he was doing remember he he was doing something this is something he felt in the playoffs we we finally got the i remember you i was feeling this this, that he was feeling it at the end of the season into the playoffs obviously it's a playoff so he's not gonna sit out and he actually pitched pretty decently in the playoffs but then they just like let it linger into the offseason and i think he like didn't tell them it was still bothering him until yeah, he, re-in- like, he re-injured it or he felt it again doing something around the house yeah and so you get a situation where well if you just did your due diligence the day after the season ends maybe you can 
evaluate it and have a plan for the offseason. Instead, you wait six weeks. I'm not saying that's what's happening with LeMahieu. But what I am saying is that the track record of this medical staff is bad. They uh, There's a report right here that like it said the shutdown allowed for the Yankees to go healthier. Hicks had Tommy John. So I don't know if that's what you're thinking of. Maybe they pushed Tommy John off too far. And Judge and Stanton both wouldn't have been ready. Right, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was a skeleton bunch, there was crew on opening day. Oh, yeah. You should see this roster from 2020 right now. That's another thing that we, I don't know, did we give it enough due? Is Judge's durability this season? Say that again? Did we give it enough, like, did we, how he stayed it, healthy? Yeah, did we acknowledge that enough? I feel like that, I mean, that the, the last two seasons, he's stayed healthy. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how. How do you give that it's due? I don't. Good well, job not staying stayed, healthy. Well, like, he hadn't stayed healthy like he tried at any to not point be in healthy. his career. No, but you know what I'm saying. I know, but like some of his injuries were freak also. Like he he definitely had a couple freak injuries. Uh, we have talked about this in the past and I and his I don't see him as completely injury prone. Like I think some of the injuries that he's had are are strange. And you know, the impact, strangest was the wrist, the wrist in 18 when he got hit uh, uh, yeah. by the pitch. That one you you got to throw that one out because he got hit by a pitch and he, and he broke his wrist. Um the 17 injury was the... He hurt himself going back on the wall, didn't he? Uh, yes, and the home run derby didn't help. He was diving into the stands in Fenway. Right. And so, again, like, these are these are the injury... The, the types of injuries that, to me, are not... They can, they can in, in I think, in the long term, on a, a big guy like that, be a, uh, you know, a detriment long term, but it doesn't mean he's injury prone necessarily. So, okay, yes, you know... Good job not getting not getting injured during the season. Yeah, good work. I mean, that was one of the biggest it was. things that was going to dictate the level of free agent contract. Yes, his performance, but also his ability to stay on the field. That's got, I mean, that's, I guarantee you, was one of the reasons the Yankees offered him the level of contract they did at the beginning of the year. I'm sure they pointed to his injury history. And Aaron, knowing his body, is like, okay, this is why I'm going to bet on myself because I actually don't have injuries, and there's no, there's no, you know, concern of injuries unless something were to happen because of the style of play that I have. Man, you're and then, just like, and then he rolled out and played center field for, you know, a, a large chunk of the season. No matter what I throw at you today, you're just like, nah, I don't care. Like, stupid, stupid comment. Move on. No, I'm I'm dismissing it in general, not even to you. I think I think a lot of people do look at it, but I'm saying when you're looking at injury history and you're you're trying to people try to predict injuries all the time. And I think it's one of the dumbest activities to do because you can't predict them. You can look at a particular person and see if they're sustainable to injury. Aaron Hicks, sustainable to soft tissue injuries, right? Susceptible. Like, Susceptible, sustainable, susceptible to thank you to soft tissue injuries. He's had a history of soft tissue injuries. He's had a history of even when he gets healthy, like his muscle and the hamstring, they they tend to stretch out too much and he becomes injured. Like that is a guy I look at. Aaron Judge impact. There's a lot of impact injuries that don't tell me that that is something that he's susceptible to. I mean, does he have like brittle bones? No, I, I don't think so. Did he not drink enough milk? His height and weight tells me otherwise. Like the man is not is he not prone AG1. to injury. That's probably what he, he added probably to his does. diet. He probably had AG one these last two years. Uh, would you call Stanton injury prone? Yes, more injury prone for sure. What about because DJ? he also gets like 
weird phantom. Like he, okay, Stan injures himself. Bicep, yeah. Bench pressing Instagram models. Different mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. Different scenario. What about DJ LeMahieu? Because DJ LeMahieu for two plus seasons has been injured. He has become injury prone because of recurring injuries as well. This toe has been, you know, lingering for a while. Again, like I said, the core, that's one of those things. Like if you don't get that thing strong enough, it's going to happen again. It's going to, and it's going to, it's going to continue to happen if he's not able to really get it to a good um, place strength wise. And who knows, even then, maybe, maybe there's something that's, that's happening there that will make him more prone. And his age certainly is a factor in this too. So you have to look at, you know, all of the combinations of where, what your previous histories are, what, what they actually were, like what the injuries were, your age, the style of play, like all of these things are considered, no doubt. But again, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of guessing. It really is a lot of guessing. And I think with Judge specifically, because of the, st- the type of injury that he has, there's nothing that says that a particular thing on that guy is susceptible to a more injury that, that I see. Like, he doesn't have a, like a lot of soft tissue. He did have a, a a core thing at one point, right? You remember rib. a rib, yeah. So there, there's like a card that's cartilage, and and you know, in anything that has to do with your rotation. But that was from diving. Linger. He hurt that diving at the okay, end. Okay, so of, impact. Yeah, I forget what season. What season was his rib injury? Was that 2020? So 2019, going into 2020, was the rib issue? I think so. Yeah. So he hurt that at the end of the twenty twenty the twenty nineteen season, and that's why he would not have been ready for opening day on twenty twenty. So if you're looking at a guy like Aaron Judge, I think one of the the more important things for him is to make sure that he's, you know, aware enough to to protect himself in those situations. And and some of that you just you you can't the, the guy plays the way he plays, but it can't be with reckless abandon. Well, this year he also played center field, which is a more demanding defensive position. He played a yes. lot of center field and, and was able to stay healthy through it. So I don't know. It's like you want to. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. I, I agree. I agree. It was, But like it was still a question mark. Whether you think the in, like we can look back now and say the injuries were a little fluky or or whatever. It's like that was still a concern. It's a concern when you're you're signing an already 30-year-old player deep into his 30s, his injuries. That's a natural thing to, to, you know, had he played 155 games every year of his career to this point, it wouldn't be a conversation. But that's not how, that's not what's happened. It will still be a conversation just because of the man's sheer size and impact that that happens when he does hit particular things um, because of his style of play. Like the guy plays hard and um, it's a, it's a hard, hard to knock that. But yeah, as he's getting older too, that that's where, that's where the biggest unknown to me is like, as he's, you know, where is that age drop-off point? Because I don't know. We haven't seen an athlete quite like him um, because of the, he's a he's a 6'2 athlete in a 6'7 body. Yep. All right. Four more topics I want to go through in two minutes total. Number one, Logan's worst nightmare, the Yankees avoid arbitration with IKF and sign him to $6 million, but they're maybe shopping him. And, and there's been some rumors on Twitter that he might have some value, which is apparently a surprise to the Yankees. Number two, Alec Manoa is trolling Garrett Cole, calling him the biggest cheater in baseball. Your thoughts, Scott? Well, it goes back to uh, the days of the Houston Astros. And, and if you go back, goes back to all of the, the things that Trevor Bauer was saying about the Astros and, and the topical ointments and the things that they were using. So this was my concern when they signed, when they were looking at signing him, this was my concern. And there's probably where there's smoke, there's usually some fire. 
Alex but Alex Manola, Manola, also massive troll. Massive troll. Such a douche nozzle. Uh, number three, the Yankees are trying for Verlander, um, but they're not confident. I don't know whatever that report means. Try, I would love Justin Verlander. Sure, give me Cy Young Award winning Justin Verlander. 40 years old, who cares? I don't care. Give him 40 million, give him a, a million. He per, has a reinforced year. arm now, okay? He's good. He is give him good. give him a give him a, a million dollars for every foot of that two story beer bong that I saw him take in college. <laughs> the last thing is the Yankees requested medicals on Degrom. Okay, cool. Who would you rather have, Justin Verlander on a two year contract for eighty million dollars, so forty million a year, or Degrom on a? You think he's going to get six years? Do we think Degrom could get five years? How old is Oh, no. He's older than you think. He's about 30, 33, 34? He's 33? Yeah, I think he's 34, actually. 30, he's, maybe 34. I guess, yeah. I he's 31. older than you think. Holy yeah. shit. I already guess 31. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, same, same age as Kershaw. That's how I remember it. Really? Kershaw? See, I would have guessed Kershaw's like the, 47. The mileage is is different. You know, they Kershaw's have, Scott's age. Kershaw's got like a thousand more in it. All right. So who would you rather have? Verlander for two years or DeGrom for four years? Uh, uh, Verlander for two years. Agree. I mean, because he's got, agree. like you said, he's got a rebuilt arm. Uh, Degrom's. I mean, coming off injuries, I don't know. I don't know how how much you can trust that Verlander has rookie of the year arm. Like he just, it's you know, well, it'll go forever. Do you think Steinbrenner texted Cohen, being like, "Hey, we're not going to be in on on Degrom. We're not going to outbid you for Degrom." Yeah, I heard Degrom's looking for a Scherzer contract. Not going to be in on that one. Cool. All right. That's going to wrap up this portion of the episode, but stay tuned. I talked to Brandon Kelly of Always Cheating. They're a Premier League soccer podcast, uh, fantasy soccer podcast, but we talk about the World Cup. He has a comp to who Yankees fans should root for in the World Cup if they're not going to be rooting for the U.S. Like what country, what team resembles the Yankees organization? So stay Is it Argentina? That. It's not Argentina. Okay. Because um, that would have made a lot of sense. It's, uh, I'm not going to spoil it. Then we we talk about why soccer has not you know become as popular because I got honestly I really enjoyed going to the game like it was a really fun atmosphere. It, it looks was, amazing to go to. There's no doubt. Like in person, those matches look like they're in insane. We were sitting our seats. We had really good seats behind one of the goals, but it was next to the Leeds. They, the, it was Tottenham versus Leeds. Leeds has they have visitors sections. They don't let visiting fans sit amongst the people because they're worried that people will kill each other so oh. they have dedicated sections with with their own concessions Kinda and like entrances vaxxed non-vaxxed yes. sections of yankee stadium and there was a moat okay picture the yankee stadium moat but yeah. there was a moat between us but we oh. were like right up against the moat right are there people like screaming at the yes. moat, like dude like throwing beers Leeds, at each other and shit Leeds scored the first no you can't have beer in your seat so that's one thing what yeah, they don't let you take beer to your seat. You gotta, so how many you beers gotta, did you sneak to your seat? None. It's, it's, you cannot do it, but everyone's just slamming beers. Beers are cheap, too. Um, how much? It was like between four and five pounds. What is that in dollars? I'm like talking five, to me like, like I'm an idiot. Five, like five to six dollars. Wow. For a pint. For a pint? For a 12-ounce beer? Uh, 16. 16 ounce beer. 16 ounce beer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you got to just chug it up at the, at the concourse. Mm-hmm. Chug. Go down to your seat, 
mm-hmm. put it in a camel bag. A- everyone goes up so straw. because no one leaves their seat during the game. It's it's for, it's uh it's two 45 minute halves and everyone's into it. No one's texting on their phone. You're just watching the game, you're talking about the game. Halftime comes around, people sprint to concessions, they have beer already poured because they know it's like you go up, you grab a oh. beer, you pay, and people just slam in beer for 20 minutes and you go back to your seat. That's a great idea. That's kind of that reminds me of like um we we call it it was uh, the big blue club when I used to have uh, uh basketball college basketball season tickets they would just put like a bunch of beers on the table or we'd fill them up and put a bunch of beers on the table because mm-hmm. we had a time uh you know a clock to to chug them. Okay, let me ask you a question. I want to no. I just okay. Yeah. So you have to go. I know. No, um, I don't have to go, but I have to say about the lead section. So yeah. they were aggressive. Okay, lead scored the first goal. There was like. I want to say she was 55 years old, 50 to 55 year old. This woman had seen some miles she on her. Kick a soccer ball? She lives, she lives in cloudy England, like hasn't seen the sun since 1982. Right. A lot, lot Leeds, of generalizations there. A lot of stereotypes. Leeds scores the first goal. She looks at us and just motherfucks us with two middle fingers. <laughs> I was just like, I'm an innocent bystander here. I'm here for the. I'm here for the action. I don't. This is funny. I just laughed. I got out my phone. I. I filmed. I'm, this is funny. Zed never That's gonna ramp that. it up. That, that that would make me cheer for the team that much harder if someone did oh, that to me. Then it was, so it was like, a great. Instantly, game. I'm a fan now because fuck that person. It was back and forth. Tottenham Tottenham ended up winning, and the place went nuts. And it's like Tottenham scores. Two seconds later, everyone just turns their attention to the visiting fans, and it's just throwing throwing insults back and forth for the next five minutes really fun atmosphere interesting anyway what was your question i i don't remember it now it's completely left my head but it was fuck it was a good question too I, sure. all i know is that um i'm i'm interested in in going to one of those those matches because they do look uh they do look intense being in person and i feel like my appreciation of the sport mm-hmm. would like dramatically increase because I don't have it right now. I really, I try it's whatever it is. No knock on like, I just, I just I, can't get into and it. And you know what? I'm not like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm now super into soccer, but I, I do know that that was one of the most sporting events I've ever been to. One of the most, one of the most, most uh, fun sporting events I've ever been to. That's cool. Yep. All right, that's cool. That's, well, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear. So stay tuned. I I will be listening myself. I'm gonna. That's gonna wrap it up for for this. And uh, everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you guys next week. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am very happy to bring onto the show now Brandon Kelly from the Always Cheating Premier League, Fantasy Premier League podcast. Since it is World Cup time, everyone's got World Cup fever. Brandon is here to tell us why we, as just regular old baseball fans, should care about watching soccer for the next month. Brandon, what's up? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. I've got a question for you. So the the complaint leveraged against soccer by people who aren't fans is that it's it's boring and low scoring. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't the same complaint leveraged against baseball from time to time? It's, uh, I mean, yes. It's just, it's very funny that you bring that up because I'm not someone who is anti soccer by any means. Yeah. I just never was a fan. It was just yeah. not something that I was, you know, exposed to other than, you know, you play it as a youth, basically, right? Right, right, right. Um, exactly. It's a cheap sport. That's, that's why it's so popular in, in poorer nations because you really just need a crumpled up piece of garbage to kick around and you you can play a game but yeah here in the states it's it's typically in the you know the middle class neighborhoods kids are forced to play some kind of sport sure sign them up for the soccer team but you know i like you're you're a, a yankees podcast like the yankees are the biggest baseball team on the planet that doesn't exist for soccer here in america like the biggest soccer teams like manchester united barcelona they're all in europe so i think the world cup is is an american's opportunity to a have like an actual rooting interest um and and b like kind of find their way into the sport Yes, I, I agree. And I remember actually being into the World Cup, I, I think it was 2014 when the US was was pretty decent. And I remember having people over to my apartment in Boston and we we watched one of the one of the games. It was it was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. But I, you know, as someone I was just in London this past weekend for my first ever Premier League game, Tottenham versus Leeds. And I was emailing with you and I said that was my first ever EPL game. And you're like, holy crap, dude. It's a, what it a was a barber. It was like a four-three game, action back and forth. It was amazing. It, it was it was really a, a super fun atmosphere. I was excited. I'm I'm a sports fan in general. It's like, tell me yeah. to go to a tennis match, tell me to go to you know, golf, tell me to go to whatever. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have a good time, right? Yeah. Give me a few beers, I'll, I'll be good. Yeah. Um, and but like I, I definitely think what you touched on that there's no there's no Yankees soccer equivalent in the US specifically. Yeah. You know, there's the MLS and it's just, you know, they MLS plays at Yankee Stadium, but guess what? It's not the Yankees, right? Like I had season the, tickets to NYCFC for the uh the Lampard Pirlo Davivia season and yeah, it was cool, but it doesn't it's hard to translate on a baseball diamond. But when I was in the UK this past weekend and we were at the game and the atmosphere leading up to the game in Tottenham, it was awesome. It was really honestly one of the better sporting events I've ever been to. The the atmosphere rivaled that of a a playoff game in mm-hmm. in the in the US and this was a regular season match. Now I understand that they're 
it's not every day like baseball is every day. It's hard to get that amped up for yeah. a regular July 10th baseball game, right? Like, because then guess what? There was one on July 9th and there's going to be one on July 11th. So, so you can only get so amped up, but it really was a, a great atmosphere to be a part of. And I think if, so if there was that atmosphere in the US for US soccer, I think it would be a lot more popular. Yeah. And also if, if it was a little bit easier to understand the leagues and the tournaments and the championships and all the stuff that's happening simultaneously in a soccer season in, in Europe and in the UK, I think that's also a barrier to entry that is underrated for a lot of people. Yeah, it's really complex because they don't have the the franchise model that we're used to here in the States where it really does favor the ownership groups and it's a low risk if you own a team in Europe there's promotion and relegation the stakes are very high in terms of you know if you drop down a league your broadcast revenue falls through the floor uh, and yeah there are a bunch of different competitions going on simultaneously this is an issue that people have with the world cup in qatar being moved to the winter we're in the middle of the big european club season right now so all these big teams have to take a break and send all their best players off to Qatar. And they have been, all these players have kind of been playing nonstop. They're playing uh, in their leagues. They're playing in the Champions League. There's the Carabao Cup. There's the FA Cup. Uh, I don't know how many hamstrings we're going to see pulled in the, the first week of the World Cup. I mean, not, not you know, especially given like the, I understand like the weather conditions in Qatar aren't going to be exactly extreme, but it is going to be hot and it's going to be similar to uh, what we saw in Brazil in that 2014 World Cup. So, um, but my, my recommendation, if like, I totally agree, having seen a number of Premier League matches, the, the atmosphere is unrivaled. If you want to get close to what that feels like and you're in a metropolitan area, like New York, for example, pick a game that you think is interesting and go out to a bar because um, just being around a bunch of other people who are just kind of watching the game and are invested, uh, even if the game is 1-0, 1-0, let's call it, when that one goal goes in, it's euphoric, it's orgasmic. I took my wife to U.S. Ghana during the 2010 World Cup, some bar uh, in Brooklyn called Soda Bar. She has no interest in sports, full stop. I remember meeting my father-in-law for the first time. I, and he's a Brit, he's, he's a, he's English. And I asked him, Hey, do you want, do you watch football? And he said, no, I play bridge. So, you know, that's the level of sports <laughs> engagement in that household. And Landon Donovan the for the U S he scores a, a game tying goal. And like the, the roof blew off of that bar is incredible. I turn around yeah. and my wife just has like tears running down her face. Now it wasn't like she had a full comprehension of like what was going on, but the spirit was definitely uh, working through her in that moment. That's a good recommendation. Definitely. You know, being at the game last weekend, one thing that struck me that that is different, even from a playoff game uh, that I've been to, I've been to many, you know, baseball playoff games is that when the game is happening, the two halves, you know, obviously the clock doesn't stop, but people are not looking at their phones. They're, they're not talking to one another. If they are talking to one another, it's about the game and it's yeah. about the action. And it is very intense watching for each half. You run to the you run to the concessions for a beer at halftime 
and you run back yep. for the start of the second half, which I, I understand in baseball, if we're just, you know, talking about baseball yeah. versus soccer, you know, baseball stops so often the pitcher gets the ball back, there's 30 seconds to kill. So you have time to check your phone and you have time to, to talk to the guy next to you. And then right. the inning break happens. So I guess it, I, I get it. It's not a one to one thing. But the intensity at which everyone was into the game, into the game, yeah, was really fun to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, are you going to follow any particular teams through the world? Well, that's Cup, what Andrew? you're here. That's what you're here to tell us to, <laughs> to do. Okay. That's that. This is the matchmaker matchmaker <laughs> segment. I guess I didn't set it up correctly, but I mean, on, obviously, man. the easy thing is for us. To, I, you know, I'm interested in what the U.S. does. I, I know the U.S. is is like a. It, mediocre chances at best right sure, like yeah. the, mm -hmm. what is what is best case scenario also realistic for the u.s competing in this tournament yeah you're you're spot on there andrew what we're kind of hoping for is is to get out of the group and what that means is the tournament starts where um all 32 teams are potted into groups of four so before we get to the bracket per se that's the round of 16 everyone all, everyone is in this little group and they have to play everybody once so the u.s is in a group with england wales and iran and we all have to play each other and whoever gets the most points uh gets to escape the group or the top two teams anyway so the like the bare minimum typically is you just want to get out of your group because then yeah, just like you follow the NCAA basketball tournament, the the narrative is like just get into the tournament, and who knows what could happen. You could make some sort of Cinderella run. Um, but we have uh, a challenge as the American team because we're, I think, the second youngest average age squad in the entire World Cup. We don't have a ton of experience. We failed to qualify for the last World Cup, so I don't even know if there's a single player in our squad who has been to a World Cup before. So the tournament experience is, is, pretty, um, is pretty weak. And our coach, Greg, Greg, uh, Greg Berhalter, he, he's a really divisive guy. I mean, the, I mean the Yan how, what's your relationship with the Yankees coach right now, the head coach? Pro con? Yeah, a lot of con towards Aaron Yeah, so, you know. Dislike Aaron Boone. <laughs> It's, but isn't it's, that the job of of the manager or coach? Is that in most cases you're going to be disliked? This is what I this is what I said when I first started the Always Cheating podcast. Andrew, I was like, we're only a successful podcast until we start getting a few one star reviews. Uh, you, you've got to <laughs> you've got to get to a level to breed that hate. But yeah, um, Burhalter, our coach, he plays like a progressive style. Uh, it's meant it's like very sophisticated. You play the ball from the back and possess. And that is traditionally not how these international tournaments are won. Most, most successful nations, they just play very basic, very defensive because guys who play professionally, they are intimate with their club teammates. They're playing every day with their club. When it comes to playing for the country, that happens a handful of times a year. So, you know, you kind of try to keep the system as basic as possible. And Burhalter is a guy who tends to complicate things. So uh, I kind of I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that we're probably going to place third in our group. But still, as I said, it's a young team. If they can just gain some experience, have a bit of pride, have some performances they can hang their hat on, even if the results don't go their way, that will just augur well for us looking ahead to the next World Cup. So it's interesting you say it's like because you're right. Like you play with your club throughout 
throughout the season. And then a couple times a year, you'll play with your country. So if you're playing mainly basic schemes at that point, it really just just come down to talent level. Yeah. Yeah, which we don't. And the U.S. We don't US have. doesn't match up. Yeah, I mean, we've got some we've got some ballers for sure. I mean, people will know Christian Pulisic, who plays at Chelsea, but he doesn't start for Chelsea. He gets precious few minutes, so he's going to be pretty raw when he starts for the U.S. in the World Cup. I think the guy I'm most looking forward to seeing play is Brendan Aronson, who you would have seen at that Spurs match, Andrew. He plays yeah, in the Leeds. Leeds, Leeds has yeah, two U.S. players. Yeah, and uh, Tyler Adams, who will also be starting for the U.S. I'm I'm assuming in the World Cup, and but Brendan Aronson, he's just like he's fun to watch because he's super fast. He's great with ball retention, just carries the ball really well. And if we're gonna score goals, I think it's gonna be down to him working the ball through the midfield. But watch for this. I feel like every U.S. World Cup match I've seen, uh, we've conceded a goal to the opposition within the first ten minutes. So if we can hang okay. on for the first 10 minutes, then it's all systems go. All right. So so obviously I'm, and as I'm assuming most people listening to this are rooting for the U.S. Um, and if we're not rooting for the U.S., though, I know you did some some prep work on what team, what country most resembles the Yankees and their mm. current situation. So mm-hmm. why don't you tell us which country you found that is similar to the New York Yankees? Yeah, it's it's when you're talking about soccer, England is always going to come up. It's the it's the home of the Premier League, which is basically the the NFL of soccer, uh, and England effectively event, invented the sport. Uh, and and part of it is the country, the storied history of the nation. The team always has good players, but another part of what makes me align England with the Yankees is the fan culture, because the fan, the English fans are just deeply, deeply demanding of their team, mm-hmm. and uh, even when they're winning, uh, maybe they're not winning the way that they they ought to be winning. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> and. And so I'm I'm from Michigan. I'm a Tigers fan. You know, I've got a I've got a different kind of relationship with the Yankees and it's similar to the one I have with England. I it's just Schadenfreude all the time. Uh England they have this song. Uh this is like corny song called It's It's Coming Home and the it in that song is meant to be the trophy whether they're playing in the Euros or the World Cup or whatever. The trophy's got to come home to England because that's where it's where it belongs. And there is, you know, for better or worse, a, a sense of entitlement. And I'll, I will concede, Andrew, because the Yankees are such a successful club. You guys have won your fair share of World Series. You deserve to have that level of pride. I can't take that away from you, obviously. Um, but, um, you know, that's that's where England gets into trouble with neighboring countries when they say it's coming home. Everyone is kind of like, yeah, maybe just shut up. Um <laughs> But, well, so but, so uh, the it that chant of it's coming home is the equivalent of a Yankees fan just saying twenty seven rings to someone in an argument. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Sounds even right. still, sounds right. even still, England hasn't won a World Cup or a major tournament since nineteen sixty six. So I know the Yankees really? right now. You're kind of going. That, I mean, through. okay, so yeah, that's yeah. A, that's that's actually I, I would not have guessed that. That's I mean, that's. 
Yep. Much it's, longer than the Yankees have been in the drought. I know it's yeah, every four yeah, years but, and not every year, but definitely longer. It's relative, you know, those fallow periods. Like if the World Series was played every four years, then I don't know, maybe. But um, there is a hunger there. It's just like I'm sure, you know, the I mean, did you did the Yankees sort of did you expect the Yankees to go a little farther in the in the playoffs this season? Um, well, it, you know, it depends when you ask that question yeah. because they had the best record in baseball after right. the f- first half of the season and then they were 500 there on out. So mm-hmm. if you had asked me on July 1st, I would have said World Series. If you asked me when yeah. we made our predictions at the end of the season, I was like, you know, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> so, yeah, England made it to the finals of the Euro Cup last summer. They choked against Italy. They made it to the semifinals in the last World Cup in 2018 that France won, and England ended up losing to Croatia. So it's like, and they're, they kind of have the same team that they had like six years ago. This is kind of the last opportunity for this cycle. So it's sort of like England has gone from that that incredible start to the season, if you will, to kind of like, all right, like let's give it our best shot. So I do think uh, Yankees fans might might find something to identify with there with with the English. All right. Well, I mean, maybe some Yankees fans. You know, for me, it's like you're always rooting for the. I guess the most hated team as the Yankees, the most yeah. popular team as the Yankees. So it's it's fun to root for the underdog. So that's why I'm going to be rooting for the U.S. Also, yes. I'm an American. But, but if you if you do want to root for a team that most most resembles the Yankees, hop on the England bandwagon. It's uh, going to be a wild group. You know, I mentioned England and U.S. are in the same group as Wales and uh, and Iran. And, you know, there are all sorts of narratives there. You know, the geopolitical situation between Iran and the U.S. constantly and Wales and England. You know, there's some there's some history and some animosity yeah. there. So, I mean, just pick any team from from our group. But the favorites right now are probably the two big South American uh, nations, Argentina and Brazil. So if you want to see a little bit more flair, if you want to pick a team that's probably going to go even farther. Uh, it's going to be Brazil or Argentina. Are we, so, Andrew, would you consider yourself a, this is like the Elvis or the Beatles question. Are you a Messi or a Cristiano Ronaldo fan? That's you don't care, do you? Good question. <laughs> well, explain yeah. explain why rooting for one. Yeah, like what, what does that mean? It's so people are fans of one or the other. Totally. It totally defines who you are, like what, what the what the makeup of your brain is or your or your okay. soul. So Messi is like the more sort of complete player. He's the more generous player. He's the um, the one that tends to shy away from the spotlight where Ronaldo is 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 the strong, all action, egotistical player. And this will be the last World Cup where both of those players are going to play, I assume, unless Ronaldo goes full Tom Brady on us and comes back at age 41 to play in his sixth World Cup. Uh, but um, one thing I'm following is Ronaldo, who plays now plays for Manchester United, his like professional career is just imploding. He's burning every single bridge that he has in his professional life. And the one like sort of competition that's left unresolved is who's better, Messi or Ronaldo. If Messi goes on to win this World Cup, then Ronaldo's legacy will uh, just evaporate, uh, like like uh, that picture in Back to the Future. It's going to be kind of amazing to watch. 
So is Ronaldo burning bridges? Is he has he bounced from team to team? Is he a bad? Is, does he have a, a reputation of being a, a selfish bad teammate? Yeah, let's see. Tell me who the equivalent is for the Yankees. Ronaldo sort of made his name at Manchester United, left and went and won a ton of trophies with Real Madrid in Spain. Uh, then his career was kind of over and he's kind of he's retired back at Manchester United. He's not gotten the playing time or what he would call the respect that he deserves. So now he's out there bashing the club, bas- bashing the coaches, his fellow players and so on. I don't know that there's a a, a clear equivalent uh, in the Yankees to that. They've never had, at least that I can think of, a player sort of homegrown come up and then left to go win championships and then come back at the yeah. end of their career. They've certainly had a number of players leave and come back, you know, towards the end of careers, but none that left specifically and won and I guess had the 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 best years of their careers not on the Yankees would it be because like the like as the Yankees are bigger than any one player I mean maybe somebody like Derek Jeter uh comes close to that but Derek Jeter is defined as a Yankee like no, no player absolutely put themselves in that position yeah and you, you I mean I guess Aaron Judge today is you know where t- he, he could leave right so Aaron Judge might be an example f- in in 5 or 10 years from now if we look back because he's been with the Yankees throughout his career so far he just won an MVP and now he's hitting free agency if he goes to another team and say wins a championship and then at the end of his career comes back for like a retirement tour with the Yankees then that sounds like that would be a a pretty good comparison. Although yeah. Aaron Judge is not seen as a bad guy by any means, he's a fantastic teammate, team leader, all of those cliche good things. I love a good guy. I just I'm very anti We all love guy. we all want to just root for the guy who's a good guy who just wants to win and try hard, right? Like isn't that what we're So by by your description, I'm a messy guy. You okay? are. <laughs> I hate to break it to you but all these guys are tax dodgers. You pay your taxes, <laughs> don't you, Andrew? I do. Yeah. But I'm also not making, you know, whatever they are, $50 million a year. (laughs) Yeah. You get to that point where you're making that kind of money. You're just like, you just put all the decisions on somebody else. Like it's not, it's not their fault that they screwed it up there. Yeah. It's not their decision that they're dodging. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So do you think you're going to get out to, to the bars and and try and watch a a few world cup matches out in the world? Or are you going to do most of your watching, uh, either on an iPad at your desk while you work Because one thing we have to do here in, in New York, Andrew is, uh, are you based in New York? I'm New Jersey. So New Jersey. Yeah. 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 East coast standard time is these games are going to kick off at 8 AM, 11 AM. I think 2 PM is the latest kickoff is we're going to have to figure out how to watch them. So, yeah, so what time is 8, you said, what time do they kick 8, off? 8 a.m., yeah, if you're an early riser. Okay. Uh, That's yeah. okay with me. I've got a toddler at home. Uh, I'm <laughs> you're up, up early. anyway, yeah. <laughs> the, the breakfast sports is, I'm all for it. Just throw yeah. it on the TV. Although, I, you know, you ask, am I going to be going out to a bar? I would like to see the, the reaction of my wife's face when I tell her, when I just got back from London on a guy's trip to go mm-hmm. see a soccer game. Mm-hmm. Hey, hon, I'm going to the bar to watch the World Cup game. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. You've got to save those those points and cash them yeah. when it when it really counts. Yeah. Well, so it, I I will be watching as I'm working. Put it on in the morning. That that's what I'll that's what I'll be doing. I'm going to shoehorn in a little pitch here, Andrew, uh, because it feels relevant uh, for somebody like you. So 
my podcast, Always Cheating, we focus on the Premier League in England and the fantasy game. But because we're on a break, my co-host and I, Josh, we decided, hey, let's let's take on a challenge. And we're going to podcast every day during the World Cup, at least every day where there are matches. And we're going to try to keep it brief, 15 minutes in, out. Here's what happened yesterday. Here's what you need to know for today. What are the stakes? Who's got the best uniforms? All that cool stuff. So when you wait, when your kid wakes you up at 630 in the morning, throw on always cheating, get the low down, get the table set, figure out uh, what you might want to have time to or make time to tune in for in the World Cup that day. That's great, actually. That's something I, I'll definitely tune in for. But I think a casual or someone who knows nothing about the World Cup, just give me information concisely so I, so I can be invested in it and have some knowledge behind this. I think that's, I think that's perfect. That's a great idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like most podcasters, we can tend to be blowhards. So the real challenge is going to is less keeping up with the World Cup and more keeping these these episodes to 15 minutes and not an hour and 45. So have you uh, ever done a 15 minute podcast in your life? Because I never have. I don't really see how it's possible. We've actually it's going to be heavily scripted, man. I, I think that's the only way we uh, we have to go in. And and also speaking of like cashing in those points with your with your spouse, um, you know, when my wife finds out that I'm not podcasting twice a week, but I'm podcasting seven times a week. That'll be further motivation for me to keep it. But short. it's only 15 minutes. I'll be done. in I'll, I'll be done in 15 minutes. Yeah, anyway. babe. That's no problem. <laughs> yeah. No, Scott and I many times have have had the conversation. What are we going to talk about today? I don't know. Press record and see what happens. 55 minutes later, it's like, oh, we're coming up on an hour. I guess we should wrap this up. It's a classic just let's talk about some guys sort of phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, let's name some guys. Absolutely. Well, I definitely appreciate it. We did 25 minutes, which was, I don't know. I don't Easy. know what we planned on doing, but 25 minutes went by like that. And uh, for everyone out there, definitely go check out Always Cheating. If you are a already a Premier League fan and, and you play fantasy, that's obviously a great podcast for you. But as Brandon said, during the World Cup, they're going to be giving you the information you should care about. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for, for filling us all in. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.